are reading that law line. I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. Yeah, in a group they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. Everything working, or well, it seems to be. Welcome, everyone, and uh, what? It's so dark. What's going on? Is that better? Yeah. yeah streaming tonight. I haven't done a haven't done a nighttime stream for a long time. Jihad, indeed, ayahuasca man. Jihad, indeed, and uh, I think we're going to have an interesting stream lined up. I had uh, a sort of. Ah, <laughs> I was going to do one this morning. And, you know, I want to get back into Ukraine. Uh, I think things are heating up there. I've, uh, of course, reached out to the powerful armchair warlord. And we will do a stream next weekend. Uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. And, um, yeah, I'm, I, I think it's important to sort of be following what's going on on the ground there as miserable as it looks so um there's that to look forward to and today we're going to be streaming with saint nick and why is my social stream is that working it's not well yeah it is working okay um so, yeah, I'm going to be streaming with St. Nick today, and there was a couple of interesting papers which popped up uh, on my radar today. I want to shout out one was from Dawless Carp, um, one of the Telegram groups that I'm on, and I think maybe the second paper as well was from the same group, and, ah, uh, oh, Karma Doc in the house, good to see you. 
Um, and uh, there, in in light of the current, what should we say, <laughs> triple demics, uh, I think they could be of interest for everyone. And why is my brightness keep dropping all the time? That's odd, strange. Ah, I'm not going to bother too much about it. So uh, let us uh, let us crack on with the stream. I think um, we should. Please tell me the buttons are okay. All good. And yes, I'm going to keep this, although it's <laughs> it's all cluttered still. But uh, variable loop inserts, which is part of the uh, the discussion we'll be having today, uh, and that's why I'm keeping this up. And uh, who's Tarek in the chat? Good to see you, bro. I uh, hope you're well. And um, what I need to do, of course, is the housekeeping because the the changes that are in hand, the server setup is a mess. Um, we've lost our meme folder. Um, I don't know what happened, but somehow I got locked out of uh, an account that was holding that server. Um, I mean, the McCann Dojo server is up. I don't even know if it's streaming uh, uh, the stream like it should do. So we've got lots of work to do there. Uh, did you get a bigger Twitter account back? Yes, I did. <laughs> God bless uh, Elon Musk. And uh, yeah, he might have some, I don't know, baggage. I say no one's perfect in this world. No one. And we've got to... Um, you know, actions speak louder than words and having um, Twitter accounts restored, considering how <laughs> draconian it was, uh, I'm, I'll, I'll take that. I'll, I'll chalk that one up as a win. Thank you very much. Uh, did you see Farah is new chief scientist for The Who? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Um, of course, they're going to be uh, filling all the positions and they'll be shuffling around and hoping that people forget who they are, etc. They're, they're all scum. There's not a good institution left. Um, there's maybe a few good men of women in them, but um, I think uh, things look pretty dire in that respect so um, without further ado that's me my name's Dr Kevin McCann uh, I was a systems neuroscientist I am a systems neuroscientist but uh, I should we say um, medically retired but part of uh, the <laughs> the cheesy medical freedom movement I guess a sort of ragtag resistance that's been speaking up virtually every day for the last few years and um trying to push back against the encroaching techno-fascist future they've got um, they've got lined up for us. We need more censorship ASAP. I mean moderation. We do? <laughs> Why? I'm, I'm thinking of just getting a YouTube channel back just because um, it, it does help with the chat. And um, has anyone seen Marty? Uh, I hope she's okay. I sent her a DM today on Twitter, but um, I haven't seen her for a while, so um, I, I hope she's okay, because I was under the impression that sometimes her health was a bit, uh, how should we say, not not tip-top, so I do hope, if anyone's in contact with Marty, um, just say, I'm saying hello, and I hope she's okay. Reach out to me. Um, 
Let's see. Elton is a good man. He's taken us to Mars. Yeah, that rocket man. <laughs> sure. All right. So, uh, yeah, next is the housekeeping, of course. And um, get a Brew Baker rifle. Yes, shout out to Brew Baker. I haven't run a Brew Baker ad for a long time. Maybe I should, uh, I should do that. But um, what I want to do is, uh, well, remind everyone that this has been updated so the twitter is up today um telegram i think is up today and i think the blurb down below the rumble chat is more accurate um it's always a constant <laughs> you just can't you can't just set anything and be in peace these days of course um i'd like to encourage everyone uh, if you can uh become a patreon kev's uh Kev's dropped a few Patreons. That uh, that break in the US, um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe people thinking I weren't putting out enough content. But god damn it, um, I streamed streamed like a like a slave. I try to bring you uh, up to date and uh, hilarious takes on the science and um, I should say the current events of the day um if you find the stream informative whilst you're watching there is the wtyl.live tip jar please please hit it up that's gone dry as well too um show the doc you appreciate him and of course if you are wedded to uh your gaypal account you can use your that link and that will get through to me via paypal all right so oh yes i should also remind everyone that uh, you can join the discord and is this is this playing live i'm not sure if this is working current events of the day yeah it is working oh so it's streaming for there nice um join the discord chat um there you'll get alerts and uh you can stay up to date with the chat a lot of the um should we say uh points that i'll be bringing up often turn up there first and of course register to be notified um get an email if your email box isn't busy enough is that not working yes you can go there mccann dojo sign up give an email and uh hit subscribe you can unsubscribe anytime and uh, you'll get an email when i go live and of course i want to remind everyone that uh, much of our costs go into <laughs> this our live streaming platform uh, you can watch the recordings there as well. And oh, two people watching, maybe on one of them. But um, yes, please, please use it. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't know how long I can justify keeping it around because it's such a fucking massive expense. <laughs> but, um, use it or lose it. Right. Uh, what are we doing today? Well, I'm going to speak to uh, Nick. So let me um, let me call him up. On Discord, a bit slow. All right, let's try this. And boom, it's ringing. Nick, can you hear me, sir? Yes, I can hear you. Ah, wonderful. And uh, ah, your your calming radio voice just already already settled me down. Um, how you doing, bro? I'm good. How are you today? Uh, you know what? I've just I've been on and off the last week, bro. <laughs> just 
um, sort of, I don't know, like cold, fluey type symptoms. Yesterday I was feeling better. Today I felt run down. Didn't stream this morning. And, um, well, what am I going to say? God bless modern pharmaceuticals. Um, I took a handful this evening and uh, feeling much, much better. <laughs> I, I see you with your pills like a, a box of M&Ms, you know, like a, like those big tubs you get at Costco and you just reach your hand in there and find out what you need. You, you always you always have uh, those name brands right at the tip of your tongue. You're like, oh, I just need two of these and three of these and a couple of these. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, man. Look, um, that's uh, I, I've, I've just made my peace with it. OK, and look, just to make you feel better. There's handfuls of supplements of various forms or another being thrown in as well. Maybe it was the quercetin and zinc that made me feel better um, this evening. I don't know. <laughs> Brilliant. But uh, I think any I, long house in a storm, as they say. Yes. Yes, pretty much. And, um, you know. Uh, maybe I'm just feeling better because uh, it's it's the end of it. I don't know. I was I was much worse last week. So um, anyway, enough about my aches and pains and ailments. <laughs> do you do you find that if you let on about anything like that, that because you're in a community of scientists and research minded folks, that everyone swarms on you with their home remedies and chicken soup? Oh yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> look, well, that's that's just love. That's just love. You know, that's how people show it. Yeah, and look, <laughs> I I appreciate. And look, I I I get so many messages in a day that um, it's impossible to respond to m most of them. If there's something really direct, I'll I'll respond to. Um, but I read every one of them. So um, don't please don't think that I'm ignoring you. Um, I do. I do read every email, folks, and uh, DM. So, um, yeah, I appreciate the love. So, thank you, raccoons. You need a raccoon noise. You really need one of your buttons queued up with some raccoon because <laughs> they do this little. They do this little trill. They this funny little they it's do. not a it's not a bark it's not, i don't know why it's a trill um but uh, a chirp but uh, you need I, I some raccoon noises <laughs> I yeah 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 i, I growing heard, go ahead i was gonna say i heard they sort of hiss when you when you corner them uh, oh, yeah, oh, no, no, when they're stressed, yes, but when they're talking and they're being social with each other, and if you have a nice relationship and you're feeding them, they do all of this, as you know, you've seen them as they stand up with their little black hands and they and they paw at your clothes. Um, they do this, this little trill sound. So oh, okay, I'll have you, to look out for yeah. <laughs> you and Simon are off to the uh, the audio archives to get some <laughs> raccoon noises. Yeah, I had no idea. So, so um Obviously, the title of today's stream being GP120 Neurotoxicity. Um, I sent you the paper. I expect you to have read all of it. Uh, in a the... happy little chat. A happy little way to start your day for you. <laughs> and I, I know you had about 20 minutes to read it, but... Um, yeah, I, I did. And uh, from my not being a neuroscientist... Uh, it, it it was very similar to the first pass through a lot of the scientific papers where you have to pick and choose what you're going to go back and drill into and understand further. Mm -hmm. So what I what I took away from it is that it seemed that they were examining and understanding sort of a creeping progression of GP120 and uh, a, a function 
in this uh, neural degeneration that affects about 30% of people that are HIV positive. We call it AIDS dementia uh, because that's what generally people do. They describe a condition or a syndrome. They don't talk about what's happening, you know, uh, at the cellular level. So that's what I took away from it in the quick read. Um, and it, it gave me some, um, it, it fired some associative uh, topics that I'll bring up after we take a look at the paper about other uh, uh, neuro diseases related to infection. Yes, yeah, so you know what? It, it's quite a long paper, and I hang on, I'll put the link in the chat for people. And the the thing that leapt out at me, and this was, I want to shout out to Dorless Carp in the uh, the forum that I pulled it from. He was the one that's obviously gone and read the paper <laughs> line by line, which was the uh, the concentration at which this peptide is toxic. And just to summarize for the people, what 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 we're looking at is experiments done in a dish, and you know it's of course it's all there's all sorts of caveats that come. With how you can extrapolate out but the there are a number of markers which they're looking at specifically one is faster fast axonal transport fast axonal transport is you know what neurons do is they package up vesicles and they push them out across their dendrites and axons and um and it's part of the mechanism for forming and reinforcing synaptic connections. And you can think of it as, you know, m most people have a, a, a understanding of the how neurons will have these branching uh, elements coming off them, dendrites and axons, and they'll sort of reach out and look for other, other cells. And um, this, this paper seems to imply that GP120 is capable of disrupting that. Now, um, you know, I would, I would defer to your knowledge about um, HIV-associated neurological disorders because, um, in my field, it it didn't, it it rarely came up. Um, it was sort of outside my um, wheelhouse as it were. And it's it's only because of um, talking with you and SARS that I've had to sort of wrap my head around it. But um, I guess I guess the question is, is there is, is there much neuropathy, i.e. sort of um, like painful neuropathy that HIV patients present uh there is and that is um, part of the complication for treatment regimen and keeping a quality of life um, in a certain level and i'm talking about pain management 
um, talking about the ability to focus and um, and follow through with activities. You know, when you're constantly dealing with with pain, um, it's you have to decide. You know, what can I do? And then when do I treat myself? And I become you know essentially sedated. So it's yeah, it's a thing. And there's as as you should probably be familiar with. There's a spectrum of neurological problems that are occurring. And what I've appreciated in um, you know getting to know you over the last year, because this is kind of our one-year anniversary of, of getting acquainted, um, is moving back closer to uh, you know the cellular biological science of what's occurring in the disease. Um, because for a long time I couldn't look at it. It was too. It was tied to the deaths. It was tied to these horrible experiences of of witnessing people dying or helping people die. Um, so I couldn't. I couldn't get into that and keep going. Uh, down the different pathways about disease and pathology. Um, I was picking that up as I went backwards into the historical stuff. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of neuropathy, um, a lot of misfires. Um, but generally, you'll see a particular onset of a neuropathology. So you know, I don't want to move off of this paper before you know we well, shake all the monkeys it, out. It, it it says in the first sentence. Uh, or second, uh, distal yeah. sensory polyneuropathy, um, mm -hmm. and I'm just I'm just wondering how much it differs from the neuropathy maybe associated with uh, ME CFS uh, and now long long COVID. I guess um, I just wonder how overlapping they are. I guess I guess the if the mechanism is one of sort of dieback and um, non uh, 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 the failure to thrive, yeah, yeah, an, an environment in which the uh, the fibers are under under pressure, then I, I would imagine the uh, the crossover is quite similar. And and the sad thing is, is that it's it's one of those conditions and you know it's something i've had to deal with myself that most well for a long time clinicians have been very dismissive of it and welcome to allopathic medicine mm. yeah i guess it's, uh, well, and no disrespect to any of our providers and care providers that, that might be connected right now. Um, you know, I, I, it's, I do not throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are healers out there, and you know who you are, and we love you and appreciate you. But um, a lot of us have this being sort of a hockey puck experience of when you have a condition that goes beyond a certain level of complexity or it moves beyond the very febrile capabilities of the uh, standard of care, standard of practice then it, you know you just get pushed around between specialists and referred and referred and prescribed and prescribed and uh, really no one is working with you from a baseline from a root cause analysis perspective until you find one of those miracle people out there who deal with um, trying to help you uh, say okay what you're getting you're having pain so let's let's peel this like a banana all right let's think of it very simply for people that haven't read the paper or haven't read these other you know this other material we're talking talking in many cases about the health 
of your neurons. So the chemical and, and we'll say cellular connections between them that they form over time as they reach out, form networks, and then you fire them as you think them again and again and again. Uh, and you would, you know, you would know that neurons that you fire repeatedly, the pleasure and dopamine related uh, centers of the brain, the things that we tend to want to do for ourselves because we feel good, those are super highways where other neurons are like little overgrown country roads with weeds up in the middle. Um, and we're talking about disorders that uh, hurt that cellular health. And then also we're moving out into a broader circle of, of uh, we'll say, nervous tissue disorders, because I think this can happen in many cases, in many places in the body. I don't, I'm not quite sure, but things like uh, JC virus and JC virus uh, can cause a horribly, horribly debilitating and, and, and fatal condition called progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy. And this is another sort of related condition in the in the HIV spectrum or in this in the situation where you have immunodysregulation or downregulation of your natural healthy immune function, as we're seeing um, in the papers, as we watch um, C and T cell counts shift and gradate down over time in people who have had multiple jabs or multiple infections. But coming back to the brain, bring us back to the brain, Kevin. Well, um, I, I, I guess we should just sort of scroll quickly through the paper and sure. just look at the primary figures and see if I can sort of disambiguate them a little bit. Um, like I say, it's quite a long um, paper. One of the things that they're focusing on is something called P38 uh, map kinase pathway and again don't <laughs> these these pathways are each one of them is a sort of um, research domain in and of itself and you know I when people sort of discuss this pathways I sort of have to say I, I, I sort of nod along and make uh, uh, intelligent sounding noises but you know have I have I ever sort of seen or worked with these pathways no, um, I, I do. Uh, of course, I do believe that, that, that they're there and functional, but I do believe we have a very um, cartoon schematic way of looking at them. And it's all this science art. How can you not take that into your view of biology without remembering all of that time life, you know, all of the, the medical diagramming and the, the functional charts we had, you know, it's 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 in the brain. Yeah, I mean, look, you have you have to have them because you need a, a, a platform on which to sort of push forward. And and look, for sure, with the. Um, the proteonomic studies that are coming out now and uh, gene expression and uh, all, all those newer techniques, it's it's certainly becoming a more um, vivid biology to to be looking at. And I'm not I'm not in med school now. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm long past it. But um, yeah, we definitely live in a um, a new a new world so um let's just uh we can quickly see i think 
it's not this figure that I want to get to. So um, GP120 obviously is acting this map, uh, P38 map, kinase pathway. And these are the, um, the, the I guess, take-home figures, which are these vesicle transports in the presence of, in this instance, it's 10 nanomolar of GP120. And basically, you can see there's um, decreases uh, in both the retrograde and so basically meaning um, going back and anterior grade traveling along the axons. And, you know, quite a, quite amazing that they have this um, capacity to do these measurements. And uh, let's scroll down. And I, I read the quantification section and uh, that was fascinating. I wanted to, you know, go and go down the rabbit hole on each of those technologies they were citing. Um, and did you note that this was all done using squid axoplasm? Uh, it was. I've, I thought it was. So random. we're, yeah, we're seeing the behavior of GP120 oh, yeah, in squid brain squid. cells, yeah. folks. So squid. there you go. Um, yeah, I had I hadn't clocked that. It was just um, it was just this change in the axonal transport and the um, the the drop here. So on this graph here, uh, it's very um, significant with GP one twenty anterior grade retrograde, and the where was the last one? Um, well, they do in activation. And well, I guess I guess this figure is the one I wanted to get to, which is the wh where I described the branching and axonal projections of these neurons. And you can see in B here when it's just exposed to GP120, um, the complexity of the uh, I want to say these are dorsal root so yeah this is rat so this is why I, I thought it was rat so this is primary rat dorsal root uh rat dorsal root ganglion and um what they're able to do is they're able to rescue this interestingly enough and um which should should give us some hope that these well th this disease progression can be addressed, which I, I thoroughly believe. Um, I guess that I guess the question is, is about finding the right combination of interventions for each person. And uh, as you were saying earlier, it's likely to be um, you need to find the right doctor and each person is different in how they uh, how they react, but you know the the figure is quite striking in GP120's ability to mess with the normal behavior and synapsing and outgrowth of these dorsal root ganglion cells, and the um, the interesting part of this paper was that they describe these effects as, if I can read this. So in, in this experiment, they were using nanomolar 
um, concentrations. Um, but they're able to find that it can be toxic in uh, low picomolar amounts, which is certainly within the concentrations that you would expect. What we've seen in the uh, plasma of people who have been both transfected and also infected with SARS-CoV-2. And okay. Um, I guess the, um, the the real difficult question here is how much of the GP120 motif in SARS-CoV-2 is <coughs> able to act physiologically? Is it the, is it the same as HIV itself? And I, I'm I'm not sure I'm able to answer that question. Um, um, it's kind of the, a little bit of the same conundrum of PCR. What are you amplifying? What is in your sample? What is your reagent? You know, those are all um, fine-tuning sliders. How many cycles did you run? Um, if you're talking about uh, GP120, trying to differentiate um, another mechanism of HIV from GP120 or SARS-CoV-2 from, from GP120 um, is a bit difficult when the pathogen has a tissue tropism in the same area. I mean, you can't, it's, it's uh, like, you know, Kevin, could you take that soup and unmake it for me, please? Right. Turn it back into its constituent ingredients. No, you know, so. Well, let, let me just uh, read this paragraph for people. So uh, I, I think it's uh, instructive. So since the amount of free GP120 in plasma has been determined to be in the low picomolar to low nanomolar range, 100 picomolar GP120 was perfused to determine if a lower, more physiological relevant concentration might affect transport. In fact, 100 picomolar GP120 impaired fast ional track uh, transport to a similar extent as 10 nanomolar GP120. Um, the local concentration of GP120 around dorsal root ganglions has not been directly measured, but it's likely higher than plasma concentrations due to the close proximity of infected cells binding to extracellular matrix components or local glial swelling. An important point is that uh, DSP, um, I guess this is the, uh, uh, they're talking about, what did they call it? Um, distal sensory polyneuropathy. Um, is that DSP takes decades to develop, although subclinical signs are commonly manifested in HIV patients. The small amounts of GP120 internalized by dorsal root ganglion neurons could gradually compromise neuronal function over decades. And, you know, I, get, I guess that the question is, how much that's going to overlap with um, SARS, and you know, my I'm, I'm brought back to the conversations I had with Charles last week, where he he made some really really important points that the the HIV segments, and I'm not sure the variable loops would constitute the GP120 motif entirely. I think that's more, um, no, 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 it does. 
and the uh, furing cleavage site is more I want to say mm-hmm. more gag related maybe maybe I'm wrong on that but um, point being that these aren't uh, random permutations that just lucked out in SARS um, these are insertions that make the genome longer than the original SARS by uh, and it's longer by the exact amount of these insertions where the variable loops are and you know I thought I thought of you when this conversation came up in the for some reason when they've been focusing on HIV vaccines those variable loop inserts are specifically removed do you have any idea where that would be I don't I'm sorry that I that's I that's getting into what bits and pieces they started stripping off of HIV and trying to um, turn into a transport protein during the early vaccine era uh, is when I went backwards in time I I just you know I was I I was quite frankly uh, deeply suspect of HIV vaccines I watched and tracked a couple of uh, studies that ended up with uh, ADE events, you know, pronounced pronounced increases, marked increases in infection uh, and, you know, the obvious uh, antibody dependent enhancement activated by uh, the biological. So I, I turned away from, you know, what was happening in the lab. It just seemed like Island of Dr. Moreau. I took note of uh, frightening things like Tony Fauci's team in 2005 reconstituting the 2018 influenza um, going up to Alaska and digging it up out of the, the permafrost frost that was that was noteworthy you know I, saw, I i watched a few things going along i watched the rna technology getting more and more press but i didn't i didn't put my nose down in that material because i was busy in the past but uh no i don't i don't know why they would uh strip out different pieces uh and and what capabilities they had but i see evidence of experimental gene therapies back in the 60s kevin we, we could interpret it as such. As far as breaking things apart, you could say it's recombinant DNA or it's an insertion. Uh, so I, I'm not quite sure where the line is, but there's there's been a lot of fiddling around in this space. And uh, what's interesting, what would be interesting to me um, to kind of go back and refresh my understanding of, say, the last 10 to 15 years in the HIV space is to look at those fractional components like you're describing, both from HIV as well as from SIV. Because I was kind of surprised to see in my, you know, you go in and you search for something and you find thousands of items that you don't have time to go and read all of it at the moment, but you get a whiff of what are people working on. And there's a lot of SIV fractional uh, components, which I, you know, that's something I want to explore further. Mm, um, well, there was a question in the, well, not question, a uh, statement from Punjabi Prepper not buying the uh, HIV not being zoonosis. Maybe I'll I'll just let you address that quickly, Nick. Why, um, why isn't it zoonosis? Uh, okay, so it, 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 let's let's just check our our language here. So zoonosis would be a farmer getting some disease directly from his sheep. 
right? Iatrogenic would be as the result of a human medical procedure, intervention, etc., et uh, a, a disorder or a death occurring. So HIV didn't jump across into people as HIV. It didn't arrive on the stage. It went backstage for a costume change during the 1960s. And we, we saw clear evidence that a percentage of people who were exposed to raw SIV, CPZ, the chimpanzee SIV, uh, that that caused you know, a variety of cancers, many of them in the jaw and in the soft palate, but they, it appeared that the pathogens were appearing in all kinds of cancers in the patients who received them across Africa. That's what spawned and fed into our fervor in the United States of biowarfare research at the time that was masquerading as cancer research. If you'd like to know more Punjabi, um, I appreciate, I, I'm happy to fill in blanks and, and certainly more importantly than just run my Irish mouth uh, to show you the source material so you can see all the bricks in the road. Um, but it's not just a little broken piece of uh, pottery that we're finding in the earth about the HIV lab origin. It's a lost city. It's an entire civilization of data and evidence. And it's if you really want to go clinical on it, open up the Journal of Medical Primatology and read about the flirtation with risk and with iatrogenic exposure that because these were all about experiments that scientists perform in the laboratory not zoonotic uh, and you can you can get your own sense of how much risk there was in experimental human medicine in the 50s and 60s yes yeah, so uh maybe just to clarify for people the the, the when when you're saying it was appearing as soft palate and uh, maxilla orofacial cancers, um, this this relates to the use of polio, uh, uh, not polio. Um, yes, yes, polio, the or yes. oral polio vaccine yeah. and many other campaigns. They there was a whole people you know people get wrapped around the axle on was it Kaprowski was it the OPV trial was it Wistar it that was a watershed event and we all benefit from the microscopic examination that Ed Hooper afforded us from having lived in Africa having friends and associates there and doing a truly grounded uh, analysis of what happened he wrote the anthropology about the African side of what occurred. But there were more vaccine campaigns run by foreign health authorities, local health authorities, and in many cases, conjunction in conjunction with the World Health uh, Organization. And the WHO trucks would roll in and everybody in the village would have to take the next whatever it was, the oral or, or injectable treatment. So that's that's where there was a continuation of people who had they saw cancers emerge in Africa and then start, you know, the, the bell curve goes up or do, actually it's just an arc. It just went up and up and up since they started these campaigns aggressively. And you can find correlating information in the WHO's archives about their whole strategy and plan 
the, the big uh, table of uh, diseases and disorders that they were just, uh, you know, steeled against defending Africans against. They were going to get in there and get everybody protected against this stuff. And as they did it, more and more diseases began presenting and they began seeing evidence of ADE and they began seeing exotic diseases and cancers caused from the substrate that they were using, which was usually grown up on locally available primate tissue. That was the formula. It's it's written in a U.S. patent uh, by Alfred Prince in 1975. So you know they weren't they weren't making some um, extenuating circumstances to create a completely clean and safe and sterile product. They were using field laboratories. They would use they would say, hey, that that campaign over there used chimpanzee kidneys worked pretty good for them. Let's call up the pygmies and uh, on their smartphones and have them trap some more chimpanzees for us. You know, it, it, it there there's there's so much medical history about the vaccination campaigns in Africa. So that's that's something that is owed um, in that chapter. It's 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 it, again, it's its own study. Um, but that's really where we saw it was um, the beginning of the primate use of materials for injectables and then the presentation of diseases in the population. Yeah. And when, when you think about it, um, the idea that you could go back or, or in that time and they would fully understand the full scope of, well, it doesn't have to just be viruses, but just the, uh, the, the knock-on consequences of taking an animal tissue, using it as a culture medium, and then directly transferring it to, en <sighs> masse, human populations. And it, it certainly doesn't, get enough recognition in the how should we say canonical literature i would say and the um i you know are we still paying the price for what would be well certainly today would be deemed very reckless experiments i don't i, I, I couldn't see them getting approved otherwise but um yeah <laughs> is well Punjabi isn't convinced and that's okay um I I it, it's never it's never about um forcing you to drink the glass of water it's about uh bringing people to the water and letting them know where it's at and you're sharing the bibliography this is my Zotero collection and I've got the HIV material primarily I mean the things that really trace into the timeline piece in that directory but in the primatology virology and zoonoses section you can you know that'll curl your toes you can go in and look and see the kinds of science that was going on in the era um, and and the risk and there's there's citations in there from journal of medical primatology uh, direct transfusion of a chimpanzee to a hepatic coma patient is one, you know, one of the fun missives from the 1970 journal entry. Um, there, they, it was, it was rife. This is, this is not about eating monkeys. This is not about sexual practices. It's about a disease that took advantage of blood and semen and, you know, all sexual secretions and in case some cases saliva um, as, as a transmission vector. 
uh, and because human sexuality was kind of at the heart of, I think, the populations that they were targeting, uh, they were quite effective in using those really, really derogatory tropes about sex with monkeys for Africans and, you know, just running down gay men for, for their sexual behaviors. And that's, you know, we're not here to have a... A sociological debate or a religious debate about human sexuality, but I'm saying that as part of uh, the relationship between what was occurring then and what we're seeing now, uh, yes, it, it appears that there were psychological operations. The U.S. Army was involved. They've got a whole they've got a whole department for psyops. Every department of the intelligence and uh, and defense community has a psychological operations group, and then there are all of these little spinoffs. So. You know, there's there's always somebody looking for an opportunity to put those um, skills to work. And I think that we have been subjected to a lot of the same um, misdirection and control of information. Um, it's it's very it's very interesting to see how many threads there are from that era to this one. Yeah, I'm just I'm just sort of scrolling through the sort of early studies here, 50s, 60s. And um <laughs> Uh, well, I have to say they they seem sophisticated, um, going by the titles. But yeah, the one the one thing that leaps out is the uh, viruses in kidney cultures, um, blood. Um, they were they were doing a whole bunch back then that well i i guess this sort of falls into the arguments put forward by uh what's her name judy mikovitz right that mm -hmm. um once once they'd harvested these cell lines i mean basically if you feed them and look after them you can keep them sort of going indefinitely and in a you know we have to transplant ourselves back in time somewhat and the push push for vaccines was a huge public health endeavor particularly post second world war and well, okay. So let me let me ask you this question: If they hadn't done this, do you think we would see GP one twenty circulating around human beings? If they hadn't done these, uh, I don't know, uh, Frankenstein experiments. I don't, I don't, these I don't hybridizations in the nineties and two thousands. Uh, I I think that GP one twenty would be a reality for people that were HIV positive. I don't know the continuum of pathogens that employ it though, so I think I saw something recently about that. Someone was showing other other uh, germs that have GP one twenty. You know, we we keep finding all of this interesting stuff. Did you know that both hepatitis and HIV and SIVs use reverse transcriptase? Uh, so yes. for me, that was fascinating to think of a secret agent, a Trojan horse, which allegedly, according to the OG whistleblower, Dr. Robert Strecker, someone in defense and intelligence told him that the operation was called Trojan horse. I'm talking about the men's hepatitis, you know, uh, uh, you know, essentially 
infiltrating or contaminating the men's hep vaccine. Uh, I have never seen an article about that. So that's not something that I put in materials. Um, I trust Robert. You know, he, he admitted when he learned that SIV was the root of HIV, you know, he, he conceded that, you know, his science shifted to fit the, you know, the new data. He was very much hung up on visnavirus and there are visna sequences in HIV-1. So, you know, that was rightfully distracting or confounding, but anyhow. Yeah, you better, um, and you can refresh my memory as well about the Visna. I, I did watch, you put the documentaries up on WTYL. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of focus on Visna bovine um, viruses as being the source, I guess. And could you just... Yeah, give us a brief history about that. Well, Visna was a darling of the chemical biological warfare bunch. They liked it because it was um, a debilitating infection. It, it wasn't a hemorrhagic fever. It would take the enemy out, and then you know their health would decline, and and they would have the desired um, incapacitation. So uh, I, I uh, saw several papers. I saw mention of it. Hooper uh, doesn't touch any of the U.S. biowarfare data, but Horowitz and Cantwell um, certainly do. And Horowitz, you know, has has a lot of material on Visna, uh, and it's a sheep. It's there. There, you know, primarily the 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 version of variety or clade that was of of uh, focus was the sheep variety. And uh, there are, when I looked at the material from Dr. Gerald Myers, Dr. Myers was at Los Alamos HIV National DNA Bank. And if anybody knows about the activities and the science and the agencies at Los Alamos, you, you know, you know, that's an, that's a bold underline item. Uh, but he put together the first phylogenetic trees of U.S. patients. So blood, you know, isolates taken from the blood of New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco initial patients, the ones that were named in the paper in 1981 about that pneumocystis cluster. Uh, and he saw, according to his interpretation of the alignment, that there was a big bang, that there was in, at some point, he estimated in the mid to late 1970s, the insertion of a single clade uh, essentially a unified, consistent clade. Think whatever you want to say, clone, infectious clones. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's the right analogy or not, but uh, that there was really the same genotope introduced simultaneously, and it began differentiating quite rapidly. It was mutagenic, as is the case often with uh, genetically modified organisms. So that's that's what I that's what I think of is is Meyer's material. So this is I, I always forget the name, but there was um, an individual who was looking at prisons in Texas and mycoplasma, and I want to say that they found HIV like epitopes in the mycoplasma. Are you, are you familiar with that? Uh, not that piece of it. Uh, I saw a number of, there was, say, a weaponized mycoplasma that was patented by 
in the early 80s um, as an isolate from an AIDS patient. The U.S. Army R&T team has a patent on that. Um, but no, I hadn't seen the interplay. Uh, considering how many cell types that HIV gets into and can can remain in as a reservoir and different tissue types, I, I think it's not surprising to see that kind of genetic interplay. Um, well, it's it sort of begs the question: How, how is this epitope sort of jumping between different? pathogens i mean what's the I'm, I'm trying to sort of think of the mechanism that would be involved and i don't know um short short of man manipulating it i'm i'm struggling to come up with ways that it would would occur within the body itself because i mean you, you're looking at completely different uh species and gen, uh, genus of of pathogens so um i wish i could just remember the guy's name Does anyone in this chat remember uh, the guy's name oh there's a request i need to fulfill the request hang on your jacket is now dry that was from back to the future part two that was that was pretty funny do i sound like do i sound like the jacket robot your jacket is drying <laughs> I'm not sure. You, def you definitely have uh, a radio like uh, you and Spartacus have uh, a, a voice made for for streaming. Um, it has to be said. Um, so, you know where to where to take the conversation next with GP120 because let's go. Well, let's go back to the brain. Let's go back to the brain. Um. Uh, uh, let's let's put GP because there's more. You know, we're seeing more and more about GP120. We're we'll find more out about it. We'll have more information in the future. Let's talk about neuro regeneration. How much have you leaned into that kind of reading or examination? Um, again, peripherally because you know my my field was more surgical interventions and so the mm -hmm. the molecular side um i'm less she i don't know if she got into the silver or not uh but you know she was really about uh using plant medicine and empirical evidence she she was the person who carried royal rife's work forward from the 1940s um, and she had her her little you know you know universal waveform called the the Clark Zapper the Holda Clark Zapper, um, but the tools that Karma and I are looking at are this Spooky Two tool that's incredibly you know tunable and adjustable and has different treatment modalities and um, that's that's one step. The other part of it is recognizing and understanding these relationships between what's happening in the microbiology and the presentation of a disorder. So that's where we're also leaning into the relationships between infections and disease. Like all of the different types of infections that cluster together around cancer types or demyelinating conditions like JC virus. Uh, because JC virus is common across a number of the demyelinating conditions that cause these, you know, uh, not we're not talking about prions, but we're talking about uh, essentially the pain disorders that can be involved in neuropathy as well as uh, MS and the signaling disorders and the loss of mobility and motor control. Um, again, I would be, 
I, I, I wish it was so easy. That's, uh, uh, it might be. Mm. It might not be. Nothing yeah. ventured, nothing gained. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, you know, that's the sort of attitude that you have to take. Um, the, uh, I mean, just from a physics perspective, it's just sort of, you know, how, how do you get the waveform uh, um, sufficient power and penetration into in, into a very uh, it's not just the nervous system but the body is electrically complex right every membrane has a um, voltage uh, differential across it and the geometry is very complex and the um, yes uh, which is why you put a tens pad on one part of your body and then another on the other end of your body and you flood your entire skin sack because you know we're just mostly you know we're bags of mostly dirty water uh you, you, you it does doesn't matter doesn't matter what it is the bone tissue the brain tissue the marrow you know uh, what are in the blood it it'll get it'll get all the way through you that's how these kind of therapies work they are absolutely immersive there's another um there's another type of modality a treat modality you can plug in and it straps around your wrist and it cleans your blood it uses an ir and frequency combination and it's not instant you know you're not instantly healed of everything but uh for things in the blood that's where if you have an issue with uh, leukemia or anything you know that you're trying to target in in your circulation uh, then it's that's another one of the treatment modalities. So they're very they're very practical and common sense. It's not Star Trek, and no, I'm not a, I'm I'm not all about you know I'm not encouraging you to go to Peru and take the ayahuasca. I'd you love know, to, I, do. <laughs> Well, I I I don't know if you would be the same person when you came back because the things that the goddess would show you would uh, be. Formative uh, me, or transformative. Me, in, me in the psychedelic realm are uh, well acquainted. Got long, uh, decades-long relationship with that. Well, good. Now, what did you bring back recently from the mushroom during your sojourns to uh, the Wild West? Um, good question. Um, each time I did, well, like the first time was obviously the most. Uh, how would you say? Uh, overwhelming. And mm -hmm. the the sense that I had was very sort of, and again, this is uh, the, how how much is my mind sort of laying onto the experience? But I was confronted with um, what I perceived to be Native American imagery mm. all the time. Good, okay, and the um in, in some ways it was it was sort of um yeah it was a complex experience because there was in some ways it was nurturing and acknowledging in other ways it was hostile and confrontational because of your guilt as a white man um i didn't feel guilty but uh it felt like showing me uh lots of uh how should we say um yeah sort of uh, death, I guess. As, as the, the suffering death. of the native populations and what occurred. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, that's a that's a really good experience. And you know, it's not like it's not like I wasn't 
aware of it or um you know it's or any genocide is a tragedy right and but um yeah i've i've always felt comfortable well, that, that that's a lie because <laughs> there are some times that uh i've been taken in those places and it's just uh well it's it's you get burned to the core right and um it can take months of years to sort of reconstruct um what what happened but um the um yeah i, I would i would I, I wouldn't say everyone has to do it mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination Agreed. Um, do i think it has potentials for healing absolutely um but the I would be remiss in just saying that's something that you could just sort of dish out from vending machines. Um, oh, no. It, it needs to be a structured, mm. intentional experience, not a uh, recreational one. Mm. Um, you know, uh, the environment in which i was doing it shout out to just three from if you're watching um you know we were up on a mountain um it was bloody cold <laughs> i didn't even i had I was, like this is a thick jumper i had like one one hoodie on <laughs> and just I, I, I don't know it was uh um yeah profound profound experience and yeah, I'm glad. I, I'm glad I did it. Would I want my kids doing it? Well, I'm not so sure. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, I, I'm. I've always, I've I've always been an advocate for the ability of psychedelics to quickly cut through um, layers that are, that that would otherwise complicate. A person's insight into themselves um and that's that's just from personal experience but the, the the issue becomes you know do you are you dishing those out to someone who's um bipolar schizoid um prone to violence um you know there's there's many many factors that would just say to me that you you, you should tread very very carefully with these compounds and I, I just have the impression that in effect that, that they've taken something and they're weaponizing that right now and this was um, made apparent to me when we, we made it into uh, Michigan and we stopped at a dispensary and got um, weed, basically. And, um, you know, I was, I was... I hope it was I hope it was clean, green, and organically grown. You can make that choice now. <laughs> uh, I, I, I hope... Just with the flower. So I'm all about natural flower and, and shake. I, I don't like, uh, I don't like uh, weed that is boosted. 
with any kind of help besides, you know, minerals, you know, doing good, good conventional organic, you know, intelligent plant science, but not dumping a bunch of steroids on the plant. Mm -hmm. um, and I definitely uh, had a, a renaissance with the scientists in Amsterdam. So um, uh, I really, really appreciate it and respect. Uh, I think it's called Green Seeds. Oh, what is their dispensary? Uh, it's the big lab. And they went all over the world and got all the land races. They found some wonderful new sativas. Uh, and in part, they were driven by um, that interest in the sativa crosses. And the sativa crosses have uh, some compounds, including CBG. And the G of, the, of all of those is, uh, we call it CBG for grin. It's quite, uh, it literally, you know, doesn't, doesn't make you euphorically happy, hysterically happy, but as opposed to some of the strains that you're, you'll just eat your own head. You'll just go into a very negative space and you, you know, you just can't wait for it to wear off. Um, the sativa strains with the CBG um, are one of those things that they were after. They liked to, they were looking for strains that would elevate you, that were functional, that you could think or be creative or be productive, um, not getting stoned. And there's a real simple issue about the sativa versus indicas. The indica plant produces six times as much flour where all the chemistry is go figure you know who would have chased after sativa genetics a hundred years ago nobody did so they were these little strange unusual strains around the world um but anyway that was that's my cannabis story well i think you know i'm uh, uh i prefer the sativas for sure um mm -hmm. and but again again the the kids that I saw, um, you know, were I sort of thirty years younger, um, yeah, I, I could I could see that being a real a risk. Yeah, yeah, a, a difficult a difficult environment from which to extricate oneself once once you're sort of in that environment, easy access and super high potency. And so well, any any allusions to sort of it being therapeutic, um, I'm uh, well. I, I I think I think sort of there has to be sort of warnings on it, and you know the you know cannabis psychosis is a thing, and the. Well, in the in the fifty plus years that I've been on this planet, I've never witnessed or experienced a case of pure cannabis psychosis. Are we talking about a punctuated event, like the cop who brought home the cannabis from the uh, from the uh, uh, evidence room, and he and his wife then called and said, "I think we're dead." They called nine one one and said, "I think you need to come." I think we are dead. No, are you talking no. about a, you know, you're talking about an ongoing. Condition? Yeah, I'm. I'm just talking mm. people who are just chronic heavy users. And uh, well, um, yeah, dopamine. Yeah, there's there's that aspect to it, um, but you know, there's a there's a sort of ideation that comes with look, and part of that is useful in a way because you know it it sort of well any of the sort of psychedelics, and I, I would I would certainly put um, cannabis into the sort of psychedelic category 
um, True. make you um, reassess and reappraise many of the, I don't know, structures and institutes that you have in your life. And well, it, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, for, for sure, it can imbue in you a certain uh, mistrust of the uh, the orthodox, the um, the controlling structures, which I'm I'm all for. Um, you know, I want I want people to be critical thinkers rather than drones but again again there's this um this issue around you know look i i am one of those people that would just wake and bake all the time right and i was functional right i got my phd and i got but i i was a heavy heavy user of um cannabinoids and it was unhelpful in my teenage years i had to stop and then i went sort of back to it in my sort of later 20s mm -hmm. and it, it wasn't till well i was just smoking so much that <laughs> eventually i was like oh my heart can't take it anymore <laughs> so i would smoke and just uh, think i was gonna have a heart attack um most times and i never found it any good for pain control um, I found it tended to aggravate pain and, um, well, the, and so there was a trade-off. I appreciated the sort of high and the mental creativity, but then there was just the, and you know, it's that consequence of having, uh, my own dealings with neuropathy. Maybe. Do you remember? Do you remember when uh, a naked, bearded Terry Jones told those people to get off his juniper berries? Mm. Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, I've got in my we'll say a path. You know, in my in my lifetime here, I've um, I've had an experience with cannabis that never became acute, but I've had similar points where I understand th this is too much and too often. Mm. And uh, it can't be ever something, you know, it needs to be a tonic. It needs to have a healthy balance in life uh, and not be something that uh, puts my social or my career or my, my well-being at risk and, and have me sidebar other things so that I can be stoned. So, yeah, I've had, I've had realization moments like that. But another piece of my path was um, the comfort and the miracle of what became cannabis medicine or excuse me became known to americans as cannabis medicine uh in the age of hiv and watching people who couldn't keep anything down just instant i mean everybody would bring them the best stuff healthy stuff everything they could think of whatever they wanted and they couldn't and they were just wasting away and they'd have a cannabis brownie or in more recent times, something like Rick Simpson oil. If they're really, you know, if there was the presentation of a cancer or something was really going off the rails. Uh, and it was a miracle of uh, comfort and healing and had a stabilizing effect. And that, of course, in that whole experience of caring for someone in an acute state, 
providing palliative care, uh, care, and then the if you are emotionally invested with them, because that's always been my position. I've never been, I've never worked in a hospital. I couldn't do what Karma Doc does. Um, but I've been a personal caregiver in a number of situations where that comfort and relief is spiritual. It's so meaningful. And we all got a little more time with the person and they weren't in so much suffering from the body. Um, and so that's where I'm very defensive of it. And uh, probably, you know, not probably, I'm sure I'm biased about it. Um, and I agree with you about uh, kids, about heavy use, about early access, about uh, dependency risk. Um, and, you know, my parents dealt with sex and drugs by not dealing with sex and drugs. Besides, uh, if a sibling and I ever got in trouble with something, then we'd get the big lecture. But these were Puritans. They just didn't have any context. They had nothing to offer, let alone good critical thinking skills like, hey, when you're faced with that choice, Mm, think twice you know they they just they didn't even they didn't have nancy reagan platitudes it was really just they they were very square they're very nice people but just square you know uh wallflower folks and they were never the life of the party they were never you know driving along in the dark you know uh in a convertible mustang in the middle of the night uh you know they never had those wild experiences or took those those life-threatening risks um and I think a lot of kids today probably, you know, are, are running rings around their parents with the electronic communication, the back channels, the way of knowing how to get around their parents, you know, faking parents out so that they can party. That's generally what it comes down to. So, yeah. And um, well, you know, were this 30 years ago, um, I, I would be completely on board with that but again this the these super potent strains and technologies now um we're dealing with a different uh, different beast and you know do I, do I want to stop people having access to it no i don't um but I, I, for sure there needs to be uh, a adult conversations and like i say i would i would never ever want to restrict someone uh who does need it medically um but there's the there's that tricky zone right as sort of teenagers are finding themselves and and it, i i can just see see it making it far far more complex now because of the um delivery methods that again potency ease of access and the the problem is is that once you've corporatized it the way that it is being done at the moment um then there's just the profit motive that gets in and um that you know the people running those dispensaries don't care Right, they they would rather they want to see queues of people coming through the the doors, rather than being um, <laughs> the the nurturing um, family setting where uh, uh, a little <laughs> a, a pipe or two between yourself and granddad might you mm -hmm. know, um, can sort of the best weed in the Shire, yeah. Right, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I I really I really wish there was a 
I, I don't know. Maybe maybe there are better ways of doing it, but I, I'm concerned about uh, what I what I did see in the U.S. And look, um, I was I was smoking it all and trying it all and enjoying every bit of it. But I, you know, I did know that it was coming to an end. And you know, I I get back to Japan and it's um, it's just sobriety for me here. And so you know, there there was it was easy to sort of break out of it. But I could certainly see. Um, were I in the US that I would develop the behaviors and pathways of being very much a sort of functional um, stoner again even in, even in my 50s especially when you can just slip those pens in your pocket and it's like one two hits and well that's that's the question is can you you know with with great power comes great responsibility can you have access and not upset your own apple cart mm. and not just compulsively like um i'm having a stressful moment i'm gonna go toke instead of you know don't don't abandon like you said critical thinking don't abandon all of the other faculties and and functions of our minds and our how we interact and how we deal with things by escaping into a cannabis dependency or a nicotine dependency or a caffeine and sugar and cream dependency starbucks um you know that we we i don't i don't want to try to come across because we you know we went from the brain into healing and therapeutics and now we're here in the cannabis space i don't want to collect and and equivocate and say well let me tell you about what i've seen with americans and food and sugar yeah americans and alcohol you know yeah we can we could there there are areas if for improvement across the board but in the cannabis space i think this this is all very very sound um you know from personal experience and and uh, as a parent um i i very much appreciate the tone of concern and precaution um and anecdotally because I've had a whole, I've been uncle to a whole lot of, you know, nieces and nephews that weren't really mine, you know. In Hawaii, they call that your Hanai family, your extended family. So Uncle Nick to a whole lot of kids, I've been able to watch sociologically what happens in this parenting scenario. What happens in the puritanical model, <laughs> um, a Mormon household, an agnostic household, um, a household where parents are trying to hide their own chemical use from their kids and the kids know all about it and are running rings around the parents. I've seen a lot of this. So I've got some data points and I, I'll say I appreciate and I think I see the best outcomes in situations where parents let the kids party at home. Yeah, and I, th and, I, I think that would know. be the approach I would take right now. Yeah, it would. It was. It was far, far better for me as a youngster that my parents tolerated me smoking at home than mm -hmm. going out with. Well, look, back then, you just you're in that you're in the drug environment, and you just run into all sorts of nerdy wells. And you know, crime was, yeah. Look, I had loads of friends who were I can't remember them taking up burglary and that sort of thing. And I, I, I can the the 
being in positions where they're saying, oh, you've got to come along, it's a blast and everything, and, and me saying no. And that was down to sort of having, well, I was shit scared of my father <laughs> beating the shit out of me. Uh, uh, okay, uh, okay. But that would sort of stop that. And he despised the fact that I would um, smoke pot and, um, uh, you know, take psychedelics and what have you. But, you know, they they accommodated it begrudgingly. But I'm thankful for that um, that secure space, I guess. And... But then again, you know, the, the the equation has changed, right? You don't have to be around um, the, the the sketchy geezers who just <laughs> do anything for a for a laugh. You can now you can go to the dispensaries, but the like I say, the technology and the potency just make me um, dubious, and it it seems. Like I say, it seems crossing over into a weaponization of what should be a more wholesome activity. It, yeah, it should be tonic and contemplative and uplifting, not, you know, um, trying to push cannabis to become heroin. Mm. And when I see the wax and the tars and all of that, it's like, well, uh, I, I tried the vape pens. And um, I'll tell you this, uh, quite frankly, I do not uh, use cannabis to just get a buzz of any type. You know, I, I've got PTSD clearly from what happened in the 80s and 90s uh, left a mark on me. Uh, I'm not suffering. I don't have trouble with sleep, um, but I do use cannabis um, therapeutically. But definitely, it's like, no, if I'm heading into any sort of a situation where I've got to have my thinking cap on, um, you know, there's this this check of self-control. Is it my life? Do I have time? You know, but I, I don't do any of the tinctures i for when they first came out i tried the tinctures and the vapes and you know I, I i think i tried the wax one time and it was so strong and i and they did it in the in the dispensary it was a patient dispensary um, but they were just sort of crossing over into uh into recreational legalization and i and i went in and they were like oh yeah you want to you want a bong hit on the wax and I immediately felt like I needed to go home and be away from people. I was like, okay, this is too stoned for public. This is not good. And yeah, I get it. When these kids, you know, there's some kids. Now, on the other side of that. Oh, hang um, on. I just, uh, someone, someone sent a uh, rumble chat and um, <laughs> saying, don't spend it all on weed that you can, you can have a... Uh... <laughs> you had enough uh, thank you amanda much much appreciated um <laughs> uh yes yeah, sorry to interrupt but i, I no, no, that's all right it's all right we're just we're opining but i i agree with you about the concern with um changing it you know changing the product but what i was what i was going to try to close up with was just seeing kids checking themselves and, you know, since the Nancy Reagan era, there's always been a group of the jocks or the, you know, you want to you want to uh, label the different social groups, um, the squares, the nerds, whatever, um, who are very anti-drug. Mm -hmm. 
and they uh, reinforce each other with positive peer pressure. And they're like, look, you don't have to go and join that group because there's enough people that really are having a great life and having a great time. And it doesn't involve hiding from your parents, uh, lying to your parents, sneaking around, trying to avoid, you know, adults realizing that you're using all of that. Yeah, my teenage um, years so there's, there's a encapsulated in the yeah. sentence there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I say, there's... Yeah, it's pros and cons, and I guess we'll see we'll see how it goes. And but I I would put it in the in you know the the broader context right now, which is you know it concerns me when I see reprobates like Yuval Harari turning around, basically saying human humankind has become superfluous. You're all useful uh, useless eaters. Um, mm-hmm. The only solution we have for you is computer games and drugs. And um, this, and and this, I think, plays into why there's been this um, sea change that you've seen, particularly in the last ten years, right? You don't think that it's just bad PR for the war on drugs? They just—they're never—they're not winning it. You know, the really bad drugs are getting worse and they find their way. They're getting so concentrated that it's much easier for them to get across Mm. borders and get into populations. And we all understand the costs. Um, But anyway, I I, I don't know. That's a good question. And but, you know, has the has the decriminalization of pot stopped the um, tidal wave of fentanyl? flowing over the borders and you know i would i would put fentanyl in the chemical warfare category agreed and, and it it hasn't stopped so um you know big picture i would i would be of the opinion that you should decriminalize all of the you know what what let's say the classic drugs that we had mm-hmm. last last century, right? You should you should be able to get those, but there should there should be a and, and that includes um, opium and morphine for those that need it. Um, I I wouldn't um, I I don't want to be sort of hypocritical in that, um, but these synthetic analogs that are flooding the market, I I'm I'm all for as harder crackdown as possible on that because i do think they are just so life destroying and you know so some of the pictures used the images you see coming out of like i used to live in philadelphia dude and you know there were parts that were pretty sketchy mm-hmm. um but it looked a paradise compared to what i see now coming out of there and um it's that's that's a human tragedy on a mass scale and it's and it, it comes with a very significant body count each year um it's you know it's not just a few thousand you know they're topping a hundred thousand a year dying directly because of their exposure to these compounds. Um, 
you know, that's that's a wartime measure, I would say, that you, you need to be um, cracking down on. And, and I, I guess, you know, you need a carrot and a stick in this situation. But... Um, but then it just it just makes me wonder, you know, maybe it's convenient for those string pullers and those behind the scenes to sort of have that um, social chaos running rampant. Because I don't remember it being like that twenty years ago when I lived in the U.S. I mean, San Francisco had its moments, but. Um, Philly as well, but I th was there. Was there the zombie plague? <laughs> not, not, not that I could see. Maybe I was a little insulated from it, but it seems it seems a more recent phenomenon. Um, seeing footage, I mean, seeing is believing. When you see footage of people on the street just sort of bending over. Mm and crumpling from you know uh, basically a pre-overdose state with with the heavy heavy narcotics um it's very difficult um i find myself psychologically wanting to distance myself from them as another being and and sort of put it out of my mind it's i guess it's like you know a defense mechanism after you know after having to take in and deal with what i saw um it's it's another chapter of human suffering and uh it's not it's not an accident they didn't find their way to some uh, little plant in in the park that is making them that way it's because of another human being making a poison mm. and making a profit off of them and the whole issue of where are they in life sociologics uh, why did they go to chemistry to begin with what led them down to the heavy heavy stuff that's all very complicated and very important um, but the end point for their lives, like you're saying, is is punctuated by this market and by this plague. And I agree. I, we we have to keep up the pressure on pharma uh, and on uh, pharma producer pharma uh, constituent uh, ingredients. And that's what it seems is now the way around. I might have I might have even gotten that from the raccoon cave. Someone I think someone posted something about. Um, the, the components, the ingredients, and how they're getting from China into Mexico. And they are very easy to get through uh, as the result of keeping them in an uncombined state. When it's the base ingredients, they're not regulated. And so you just don't make, you don't ship cookies, you ship flour and sugar and chocolate chips. So. Someone's just, so, oh, Good to see you, JM. So failed pharmaceutical opioids and tranquilizers, benzos have flooded the market for seven years now on top of the fence. Um, yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. And this is uh, maybe a controversial position. But again, um, for, you know, the trouble that Oxycontin caused, I would say the draconian withdrawal of access to it probably caused even more problems better better to have these people in settings where they can be medically observed i guess mm -hmm. um than left to the predations of uh cartels and you know people that don't care but they just want them to buy 
the next hit. And um, again, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I think it was a mistake to pull OxyContin the way that they did. And yeah, it's probably an unpopular opinion, but um, they they set themselves that you know they started the the market and they started the uh, you know the the dependency, and you know not everyone was going and getting oxycontin for I don't know her sprained ankle. Um, but, you know, there's always a percentage that are going to go and do that. But then remove that access to them. Then they're just going to go and find the next best thing. And in this case, it's this weaponized um, well, chemical warfare that's being being unleashed. So, you know, let, let people have access to OxyContin. Let people have access to benzodiazepines. <laughs> it should be it should be a case that you should be able to, um, without um, shame, you know, go and get your prescription if you're functional, right? And use th use those medicines as you see fit. And if people are able to do that with um, cannabinoids, etc., great, uh, more power to you. Um, but the the chopping and changing and opening the door to let's say things like um, well the, the thing is fentanyl's just it, it's permeating into everything right so people people think they're buying some ecstasy and um, they end up uh, with a fentanyl overdose and it sort of got so bad that that they're now. I don't know how true the story is. Perhaps it's just um, urban news. legend. Yeah, but now they're um, they're kitting out schools with uh, Narcan, like nasal Narcan sprays. Oh, that's an easily verifiable change, and I I think I've uh, heard the same information um, from parents. So, and you know that's that's kind of tragic, and you know. <laughs> just you're gonna have you're gonna well you used to have some stoner kids etc and just let them you know that was a that was a maybe i'm looking at it through rose-tinted spectacles of the past but um if, if there was a way to sort of claw back to that sort of state and yeah i get it that you're giving money and uh, handing over control somewhat pharmaceutical companies but far better that than um, what what we're seeing right now and the we're not going to be able to get all of this fixed correctly if we don't break the CIA right break it apart right and, you know, I mean, and God knows what the other entities are. I mean, isn't I, I have I have heard uh, uh, very fascinating revelations, I think, from Mark um, about interplay between the CIA and uh, the Italian mafia. Mm. And it's a hand in glove relationship and it works very well. You know, yeah. you've got your 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 in country agents all over the place. Mm. But I've also heard from other sources that 
keep an eye on this, that um, it's kind of an inverted relationship now as far as power and control. And I don't, I don't have any specifics. Someone, you know, is someone that I trust and appreciate their access uh, gave me a little bit of data about that. They didn't say much more about it, but um, that, that seems to make sense. Meaning? Uh, inverted that uh, the the trans, you know, the 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 switching of the the servant and the master. It's a reverse parenting situation now, according to this person. That the leverage, the problem is, is that the people who went to the mafia and said, hey, you can do our dirty work without our fingerprints on it. Here's some money. Let's go into business together. That quickly turned into a, a growing body of leverage on the part of the mafia. They had leverage. And, you know, the CIA couldn't kill them all. And they could say, we want you to do this. We want this change. We don't want to do that. Um, they, they were able to start calling the shots. That was the, that was the skinny on, on how he described uh, the changes that have occurred in the last, say, 30 years. Yeah. But that relates to international drug trade. And, um, you know, I don't know what the real role of the CIA or any of its uh, courtesans are in the Mexico-U.S. border, which is, you know, one of our big vulnerabilities. But, I mean, if they're, if they're shipping stuff into Mexico in a container as a constituent element or, or ingredient and then using Mexican labs and then using mules to get what used to be, you know, the, the dollar value of a giant brick of marijuana taped up and wrapped up on your back would be, I don't know, a few thousand dollars. And now they can get tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars on an individual mule. In I mean, it just, it's business sense, right? So you've got that pressure of an entire country. And I don't mean every Mexican is involved in this, but, it, but you know, the fact that that's where it's happening, we have to look at the reality of the geopolitics and so that's that's another complicated piece yeah and you know i i i put this all in the context of this fifth generation hybrid warfare that we're dealing with right now and mm -hmm. how to how to rein it in well you know i i, I don't have better solutions beyond trying to withdraw and insulate yourselves from it because it's it's such a pervasive doctrine and essentially any anything and everything is open to weaponization especially you know especially um any anything that draws masses of people or people's attention and and that goes for social media it goes for um more meat space activities like um well you know how do, how do people get into the drug lifestyle it's often through sort of partying etc and um all of these seem ripe targets for infiltration subversion and i think we're seeing the uh, the results of that and you know when did it start I know. You could you could argue you could go back to the hey Ashbury hippies I guess um, I, uh, <laughs> what, 
Well, uh, are you are you going to overlook thousands of years of opium dens? What are you talking about? No, where, no. Where do you I, live? I, I, where do you live, sir? I, 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 it's just um, those. Like I say, I think it's prudent to accept that people have always. It's always been a fact of life. Um, drugs and yes. hum, human yes. beings, and not just human beings. There are multiple animals that um, will make a beeline yes. to ward stuff that gives them altered states, yep. and. Um, I think it it would be better to sort of accept that as being part of the spectrum of human behavior and and doing our best to accommodate it such that you don't open the path for these um, organizations to yeah you know, engage in in warfare on specific populations. And well, and we have real-time opportunity to observe um, states and countries who have converted from a no, you know, a policy of 100% no illicit drugs to legalizing one or more cannabis among them, and then watching uh, the real-world data on violent crime on overdoses, um, many measurements that would be important to look at the before and after. And, and there's not a whole lot of data yet for after, right? We're still, it's, it's aggregating, but um, that's something that is, is interested. And, you know, I, I think that a lot of the data, well, early on seemed to suggest that, uh, that you, you did get reductions in crime once you sort of decriminalized um, these sorts of behaviors. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the, the problem is, is that is that the case now in the United States? And, um, I'm not so sure. And you know, this this brings us back to the point around when you when you're dishing out highly distilled THC that you know is delivered in vape form, it's hyper discreet and how how easy is it to get people into states where their normal faculties that would prevent them from engaging in how to define it? Well, we can just say sort of antisocial like behaviors. Um, how to stop that? I I I I don't know, and I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be the uh, a, a stick in the mud. I just, I, I'm trying to look at this as someone who's had the experiences and just saying, I know, I know what the good sides can be, but I also see what the pitfalls can be. And working right now in the context of what I see as a, a very, very sophisticated offensive taking place right now, and it's it's covering many, many um, aspects of our lives. And you know, may, maybe all of it is to push you towards um, this sort of hyper-controlled surveillance networks. Maybe, maybe that what they want is that they'll say, "Oh, we'll give you the uh, access to the drugs," but again, you you've got to submit to the uh, the electronic profiling. <laughs> The electronic profiling and the leverage, it'll be ongoing. So there'll be a price point. I think I've already seen examples of this where if you use um, a 
a digital currency, it's one price. And if you use cash, there's another. Americans have been conditioned to that for years at the gas pump. And we're, we're just, we're blind to that. We're like, oh, oh yeah, it's much cheaper to pay cash. Let's just pay cash. You know, uh, it's, we, you know, it, it's, it's built in. Um, so I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about how just the apathy of the majority and um, the failure to think critically, like you mentioned, and look ahead to changes and what that might mean for us. Um, and also then in the midst of it, for those of us that might be hyper aware or very, very concerned about losing those controls and having a new global currency is the Cassandra syndrome. And what we do to ourselves, how we tax ourselves, how we get all worked up, how we, um, we stress our bodies out, we affect our relationships and our families because of our stress about the things that we see emerging and our inability to warn anybody about it um, effectively. So that's the other area where we have to be cautious. We just, we have to keep taking our own temperature and, and go ahead and let it go. And it's like, hey, you know, if I saw a giant boulder rolling down off of that mountain and it was gonna crush the house, would I yoink the kids up? You know, there was no hope of escape. Would I even let them know? Or would I sit down and play a game with them and have a wonderful moment and be present with them? You know, while the inevitable came towards us, that's, you know, that's a question everybody has to ask. But um, we, we just have to be careful about um, our, our, the amount of time we stare at it. And this comes as someone who went too far with HIV science and uh, at the expense of certain friendships and associations, people didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to engage on the possibility. That for me was unfortunately some kind of a trigger and I just wanted to push it on them. And it, it you know, it was, it was the cost of the friendship. Um, and that's a risk that we can all carry in this COVID era or what's next, you know, the next big thing is remembering that uh, we may have uh, a critical ca capacity in ourselves. Uh, we may have this hunger to keep digging and reading and exploring and getting answers, um, and that that is a worldview, and that there are a lot of people who would rather not know. They would rather the boulder just take them out. And, you know, so that's, that's another part of the conundrum. But the lesson being, um, you know, pull yourself back, calm yourself down, uh, step, away, step away from all the heavy-duty stuff occasionally, and be sure that you're being present in, in the places that matter. Yeah, um, things I wrestle with every day. <laughs> Just to, you know, I was uh, I was determined that I was going to take the kids out for a walk today, and um, well, I wasn't feeling well, so I fell asleep. And they came home. Daddy was asleep. <laughs> well, that was your brain healing. Well, so. I, I, I'll take the. I'll take the win then. <laughs> sure, fun. sure. But, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm making an excuse for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm always making an excuse. Let's, let's, let's just do uh, one more thing, uh, one more paper. Sure. Um, and we don't, we don't have to do it in huge detail, but it, it sort of plays into because I put it in the title, so I wanted to get your thoughts on this. So uh, our favorite uh, monkey Carisa virus infects cd4 t cells and uh it's a oh let me just put the link in the discord for you 
And I know we sort of touched on this somewhat um, the other day. Is this is this a I need to change screen. You had an Um The So my my concern right now is that due to the assault that we're seeing on population scale immunity, um that we're gonna see opportunistic infections and presentation of disease that normally would wouldn't be a problem but is essentially going to sort of be overwhelming now um you know the classic disease for cd4 cells um being infected is of course our good friend hiv mm-hmm. um we can now add SARS to that uh, equation. Were were you aware of uh, monkey coryza virus RSV infecting T cells? Uh, I had not studied the the uh, the pathways, so no, this was news. And yes, I just saw this first time the other day, and immediately the thought to me was, it's one of many presentations that's going to complicate COVID as people get that you know their counts get knocked down and down and down you just have less uh less soldiers to default you know to defend the fort you get overrun uh and then it's that russian roulette wheel of what is the latent infectious burden in each one of us what have we been exposed to that our body has kept in check and basically it's been invisible it's been a it's been a a non-issue for us Um, But then we enter into this era of progressive loss, you know, a staircase of loss and loss and loss of T-cells. And um, then you start seeing the assertion of opportunistic infection. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be across the board. And this is one of them. This one stuck in my craw sort of, you know, we were talking about uh, the shamanic compounds and alkaloids. And in that space, I, you know, I was also studying the early HIV stuff. And that's when I was looking at our long-term RSV studies in New York. And I found a study in children that showed the, the data curves. And they apparently didn't know enough to fudge the data back in the 60s. Because the curves show when people normally get their vaccines for the fall... And then the following, you know, closely correlating wave of pneumonias and deaths that occurred every year, right after that. And I'm like, well, that's, you have to go a lot farther to say that's cause and effect. But then you find out that the products were made on a variety of the vero cell or variants of primate cells. And it becomes quite simple to see how RSV could be in the, in the cell culture in the product and no. going right into people's arms. Uh, so. Maybe maybe for refresh people's uh, memory as to the history of RSV and the name changes and because uh, I, I didn't know this till <laughs> you explained it to me. Um, well, sure. 
Um, there, there are a number of pathogens that we are familiar with that we call by different names. Originally, they came into human medicine and into our collective biology or public health by way of contaminated products. One of those instances is when uh, in a couple of different sites, I've heard now like kind of two different pieces of the origin story, uh, one about a military base where someone went back to the barracks and after getting an, uh, a, a jab and got everyone sick, and then they cultured it and realized, hey, this is, this is CCA, chimpanzee Carriza agent. And in another instance, it was children who received um, a batch of vaccine, and uh, many of them presented an aggressive pneumonia, and they, they found the same isolates. So that, that was the first name. The timeline, we're at about 1955. Fast forward a year, and they have renamed it to respiratory syncytial virus, RSV, which you're seeing in the news today. Suddenly, in the last few weeks, as the next monkeypox, the next big scary thing to promote you going in and getting as many jabs as you'll take. Uh, and RSV has been in human populations since then. And part of the risk uh, would be that we produce a biological product using a cell culture medium that is contaminated with RSV to begin with. So that's what we're talking about. Um, I, I don't I, I have not done a multi-decade analysis of the source materials for all biological products. That's beyond me. But that's something that uh, bears examination and understanding how to eliminate some of these disease risks from human beings. Well, what are we sticking into ourselves? And that's that's one of the places where we could go after root cause. Um, now. Those who work at. Um, it's it's funny the divergence of thinking that I see across the social media that I'm perusing for data, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are those who are very much in the vaccine camp who, who are convinced that all the excess deaths that we're seeing, etc., are entirely down covid on the other extreme it's it's all a consequence of the covid shots um i'm well i'm i'm wary of engaging in sort of binary thinking and i i wonder how much i i i think it's probably likely to be a combination of the the two but in how many I mean I'm trying I'm trying to think about the rollout for children for COVID vaccines. I, I know they've I know they've just sort of approved six months old. Now most of the children who are impacted by RSV, I would make the presumption that it tends to be the younger end of the spectrum. So they wouldn't have had exposure to um, SARS. So in my mind, it, it perhaps points to COVID 
as being a precipitating factor in in this instance that maybe maybe covid is presenting mildly in children still but their the, the underlying mechanisms are still are still the same that their t cells innate immune system is being impacted by the exposure but just because of obviously it's a young immune system generally you're not seeing it um mm-hmm. um but now but the secondary conditions present mm, mm. and i wonder if that's what we're seeing right now and um it it concerns me that um there's a there's another illness that just yeah uh, suddenly t cells are are a are a target and Yeah, I guess I guess my question is, um, well, if HIV children, right, do do they require sort of interventional treatment? Are they are they treated from the earliest ages with um, the protease inhibitors and um, the full spectrum of uh, Kevin? That's so sweet and so naive. I love that about you. Uh, do you think Gilead and Pfizer would lose an opportunity to have right. a lifelong <laughs> customer? Are you kidding me? No, they love HIV babies. Mm. And yes, they're put on combinations. And um, I'm so grateful that so many people have continued to live their best life as you know, as a result of staving off um, what was occurring in the 80s and early 90s. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible position to compromise to, but um, I'm glad they're here. I'm glad that the, that the therapies are available. Um, it's the, what I care about is why they were needed in the first place. Mm. So. so, what, are we, are we, are we going to be looking at children now? Well, I, I, guess, I guess what they're going to be offering is just alternatives around vaccines i guess uh, uh i like i like uh to lean into the plant science so i'm all for uh going back through the last 30 years of the material and finding fishing out all of the beneficial polyphenols that they found the protease effects of certain plant compounds the protease inhibitor effects um, if the problem is replication persistent ongoing latent infection uh, spike expression over a long time index if that's really the clinical outcome for a large percentage of people then i would be leaning into that i would be like let's don't worry about yes you have to treat symptoms but let's go upstream of what's causing the symptom and see if we can squelch it kill or collapse its ability to replicate um, anything but uh, I, I, with all of the people that have seemed to bounce back, and I know that everybody that has a, um, a rallying cry, you know, a champion story about, well, I took this and that, and I feel great now. Um, I don't know if they've had a baseline and comparative T-cell count analysis. So we can see what does that really mean? You may feel great and that's wonderful. Is there an underlying um, subclinical condition that we need to be aware of and track that change over time? 
And so that's that's another part of the equation. But I, I would just say we are going to, uh, we're in a new era. And certainly every one of the gay men that I knew had a creeping sense of doom. And some of them heard Peter Duesberg and gave up on their critical thinking and their self-control. And what they had learned was preventing them from getting infected. They gave up on safer sex. Because here's a scientist who is telling them what is much easier to hear. And that is, this is all because of somebody's toxic lifestyle. And men who weren't going out and taking heavy drugs and were not staying out all weekend or going to the circuit parties or any of that, people who were leading quite sensible and healthy lives gave up on safe sex. And the lesson being is that we all need to, we, we, we can't keep, you know, looking at the FDA and the CDC. We have to, we have to trust that we need to, we need to be skeptical about their positions for therapies because of the inherent conflicts of interest. And that's a sad state to be in, but it's also a compass. <laughs> You're like, oh, you want me to take remdesivir? Well, who's got the patents? That's the simplest litmus test you can start with. But in that, we find there's a universe of non-Western medicine. And guess what? Met Western medicine, in many, many cases, the pharmacology are, are poor analogs, they're concentrates and distillates of natural plant medicine. So, you know, they can't hide the world of nature from us they can't you know they can't cut us off from the ability to compare and analyze and take anecdotal data points and cluster them together into stronger evidence and do science and learn our ways around this um, but the other part is um, we're still learning about um, it's kind of like jack-in-the-box you keep hearing do, 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 do. You know, we keep these new difficult realizations like the fact that it gets into the CD4 cells keep popping. Um, so we have to steel ourselves against that as well. But um, I like all of the common sense therapeutics. Uh, I haven't seen woo woo and, you know, put the amethyst crystal and and pray to the moon and God bless anybody that needs to do that. I, you know, I love you. Um, but we've seen very practical therapies like NAC. Um, we've seen people checking new experimental therapies for toxicity and, you know, uh, side effects that would be undesirable. And I like that dialogue. I like, I like public health as a continuum in the public arena. It can be owned by the public. And of course, none of the institutions in the West are going to allow that to happen. They're trying to cut our ability to even get homeopathic products to be able to order herbs on Amazon. It's yes. insane. So, so my my concern here is that um, a, a goal of this fifth generation warfare is to um, corral and control populations. And, you know, through, and I don't have any problem calling it bio-warfare, they don't need... Um, the super lethal agents. They need these degrading, incapacitating agents to sort of flourish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how much sort of probability um, do we give to... do we give to that premise right now? 
looking at this data that that's that's where they're pushing they they knew that this would be a consequence of one the release of well SARS being the most recent but we could take that back further and them them now expecting or being able to predict that we would be in this denuded state that would see these otherwise regular seasonal diseases get out of hand and you know the initial data i would say for this this year um seems to be pointing in that direction that these these diseases are causing problems and if well i guess i guess it comes down to um what's what's the time scale for that and 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 i guess we have an answer already that when they're talking about pan flu viruses being mrna technologies and you know this is something that um mark sort of raised and something that i've i've harped on about in the past which is that the technology is becoming available where the, the money for the pharmaceutical uh, pharmaceutical companies is not um in finding a patentable molecule and then having exclusive rights for 20 years we're, we're coming to a situation where you become the source of the patent right so it's individualized mrna like therapies that they can continue to charge full full dollar for because it's unique to you and you're at the same time well pushing or, or, or allowing allowing the surveillance state through the medical system to um get its uh, get the control that they're after its tentacles around your life and your behaviors and your tendencies and start giving you gentle electronic nudges the rest of your life yeah um, yeah yeah um, well so let's let's uh look let's take that scenario you're describing and look at a real world um case study that unfolded over the last 20 years 25 years and that's gmos and the honeypot for farmers of getting into gmo product so they went from having a miracle seed that was designed because of a insertion in the germ of uh, the bt gene which is resistant to glyphosate that's why they chose the bt gene is because they found it thriving in a puddle of glyphosate in the 1960s this was back before the patent was sold to monsanto uh, and they said hey this is really interesting. So if we put this germ, if we put this gene in the plant germ, then we can spray it with as much glyphosate as we like and all the other weeds will go away. Well, we're not gonna talk about the whole, you know, plant story of super weeds, resistance and all of that, but that put farmers into a state where they became literally patented and contracted. If the neighboring farmers uh, pollen blew over onto your non-gmo product monsanto would come and sample your field and then uh fine you 
and say you're growing our patented product mm. so let's take that case study because the same people that owned monsanto at the time let's all say it together pfizer who sold it to bayer oh my god that's that's like a paperclip oh all in and of itself but uh, add in Merck, you know, and we've got the, the triple threat. But, but, you know, that's, that's really who the players are. Now, do I think that Pfizer really cared about feeding the world? No. I think Pfizer, unfortunately, is peppered with some people who are in strategic positions and roles that are influencing um, a psychopathy in their approach towards public health and the safety of their products. You know, and for varying reasons, either greed and psychopathy or... Mm, something else they you know well, they have a philosophy we might look at it as psychopathy but they they look at it in very rational terms from their perspective which is that it allows ever more accruing of control and power in into that corporate domain and you know we've got this problem now of this public private um partnership stakeholder all that nonsense jargon that they spew out at you uh, endlessly um, yeah pharma and the nih and the dod and all of its little red-headed stepchildren yeah definitely and you know this brings me to the you know a point i keep raising i know it's a black pill but um over the long term i'm not sure I'm not sure what we can do because it seems it, it seems fait accompli with respect to their side, right? They have the resources, they've got the motivation, they've got they've they've got literally everything. And the 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 problem is is that they have a compliant population right now who is inherently unquestioning of the narrative that's being put out by I hate using the word, but the stakeholders. And um, yeah, you know, I've I've sort of applied. So you're being tempted. You're being tempted by surrender, or just it seems like such a complicated knot. There's no way that we could possibly untie it and untangle it all. Well, it's it's more the issue around th this type of warfare that we're engaged in. Is it's the <clears throat> old um, what was that movie? war games is it mm -hmm. not to play right mm -hmm. not not to get involved now the thing is i'm doing what i'm doing right now and what you're doing is we're directly engaging in that type of warfare and um you know are we are we helping it along almost by Raising, well, I don't know, raising the issues by calling it out or raising raising consciousness, raising awareness about it. Uh, I don't think so at all, and I'll tell you why. Uh, regardless of how overwhelming and frightening and intimidating and and unpredictable all of the bugaboo stuff is about you know three letter agencies, you know their dark denizens, people. You know, Mark and I have talked again and again about. Uh, scientists getting bumped off or uh, journalists, investigators certainly getting bumped off when they're on to something big. 
um, is that we are in a new space and we have the ability not only to reach all around the world like right now we're doing, but we also have the capacity to preserve and perpetuate that information. And what those folks in power are most afraid of are the guillotines and the masses. It's part of why they feel intimidated to begin with. Think of the principle, right? I mean, you go to America, how many hours did you drive through wide open spaces where there are no people or hardly any people? We, we, we aren't exhausting the planet's capabilities. We're not very good at adapting and getting rid of our toxic you know, models, but we're, you know, we're certainly not on the verge of, of everyone dying and no one having any food. That's part of the narrative. And it's part of the control, you know, same with energy and playing geopolitics to create scenarios in Europe and the UK of not being able to turn on the gas or, or playing with the market prices. We saw it in the US when they were playing the Enron game, moving electricity back and forth across the grid. And then people were getting electric bills for $1,200 because they ran their, their air conditioners. Um, you know, I, there, there's, there's all, we always have to be on guard for that. And that's the thing that I don't want to say, well, you can't just give up and give in and you can't well, fool I, I, yourself I, I, that you're going to find some safe space where we've solved it all. It's going to be an ongoing vigilance. And I'm, I'm down with that. Right. And, you know, I've sort of made the point that it's, that at a abstracted view, it's about lineage uh, progression, right? Making sure that your next generations are able to um, learn, um, take take the data that we've been able to accrue, apply it, and continue to be um, fleet of foot and adaptive in in their responses to to the stakeholders and the the impositions that they want to put onto our lives. Um, but you know, taking taking the worst case examples, you know, should they should they really come down hard, where travel becomes incredibly restricted, and you know we've seen attempts at that beginning to be rolled out in Europe right now. Um, I'm. Yeah, I'm I'm unsure how best to maneuver around that. Short, you know, I'm happy to sort of do this and have conversations, bring the data out into sort of public, have the discussions, not be afraid to have uh, or, or to make sure that no topic is off the table for discussion. Um, but um, there's, I, I've got this nagging feeling that uh, we may we may be perpetuating it somewhat and or or n not even so much perpetuating it um it it becomes like like uh there there are people that sort of go to war right and then they'll voluntarily go and you know fight in ukraine right because they love war that type of thing and um I'm just um well yeah I'm I'm concerned about us becoming um addicted in a way to the uh the fight that yeah perpetuates it and Oh sure sure 
No, I, I see what you're saying there. Um, well, and that's where that's I, I would just say I've, I've already mentioned that step away, mm. step away from the fight. Keep keep a clear sense of context about uh, what's happening in your garden mm. and your pets and your children and your loved ones. You know, just uh, get grounded and come come back away, you know, come back from the because it is it is a maelstrom of new information for most of us um applied learning um there's a sense of eureka there's a sense of uh aha you know i've solved it oh oh i found the paper this is the answer we've been watching all of us do that for three years now oh this is it oh look at the you know we're all crying eureka again and again that's got to have a stimulus response mechanism in there somehow so you know we we can we can just continue like you said to um spread save a little bit of that common sense butter and make sure there's enough to spread all the way across the toast just be be aware of yourself like you're aware of your other habits and behaviors um and uh particularly uh don't overburden people don't be a pedantic cunt excuse me uh but don't don't i'm i'm yelling at myself about that but don't wear people out with this stuff and erode that very source of nutrient that you need the very reason why we would do this fight to begin with you know make sure to guard them from this they don't need to buy into it they don't need to understand it like many of us do and they're not coming down the rabbit hole with they'll be there for us when we come up but this the, the the lesson that i would share with everyone is um please don't engage in conflicts and debates with people even when you've got scathing bits of scientific um uh, information and i don't mean out in the public square i mean in our personal circles preserve that space and heal that space because guess what we're none of us are done with having loved ones have sudden unexpected illnesses and deaths we're all going to continue paying the piper for a while here and you know that that just underscores the need um to preserve that that healthy space for ourselves so you know i'm sorry i, I go on about that but um you know you it's you it's it, it's tonic and it's healing and uh, it might be something that you read it might be music that you listen to that unlocks your your emotional constipation and you let your grief and anxiety out maybe in the privacy of your own car on the drive to work but you find the places to um get tons out of your body from all of the stuff we've been consuming for three years and make sure that you have a clean clear grasp of the pieces that are important to hang on to i'm not going to go back and try to document all of this there's so many people doing it like charles and and jonathan and yourself you know what whatever pathway people are on or what effect they have on history uh, aside uh, you know it's there there's enough people doing this piece i'm trying to make sure and part of the the re-injury of my own ptsd but also the healing and the synthesis of it is to have these conversations and to have people, whether Punjabi prepper agrees with the semantics of our scientific argument or not, that isn't the objective. It's to bring the information forward, enter it into the historic and Akashic record, and to help people understand where they can go to find the evidence. Not my opinion, not my personality, not how I feel about interpersonal politics or any of that, but about something very important that's affecting policy and behavior in many governments and entities around the world that we've got to get a handle on 
or we might not ever get a chance to get it, you know, take care of it again. Mm. So and those are some thoughts. Yeah. You know, my, my feeling is, you know, we, we have a window right now with, um, because I, I do think they messed up with SARS, right? And I don't, I don't know what caused them to sort of flick the switches when they did. And, you know, it, may, it might even be something just as mundane as <laughs> their dislike of Trump. I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I don't think we can ever sort of fully disentangle the, um, the signal from the noise in, in that respect. But the we're we're not read into those activities and those compartments. We yeah we will never have the smoking gun data mm. from inside the machine. Um, you know I think I there there's such a lethal circle of policing in that space. Um, I think there is. I think that's one of those fascinating James Bond spaces where we would all be just bowled over, all be kind of be shocked at how much surveillance and coercion and uh, other activities, wet works occur. Um, uh, the, the more important and the more, you know, the higher up the ivory tower an operation is, the more pressure and scrutiny there is to keep it airtight. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> with it, with the untermensch that they're just, uh, like I say, they're worried about our numbers, but the problem is that <laughs> most people, most people just want to go along to get along. And um, I, I, I've always said, you know, every soul is precious, but you're not saving everyone in in the current circumstances. So it's about um, making sure that there are networks, and um, I don't know, you have these. I guess we're I guess we're international. We can say that much. And we've got America, Japan, and India in the house. UK, I know that much. And um, we, I don't know, you, you, you make it, it, it sort of takes on the role, I'm not saying it should replace your religious um, doctrines or whatever, but it, you should, I think it, it should be ranked up there with them that this scientific that's that's primarily what it is because it, it, it revolves around the sort of technology and so science is a good way of um, encapsulating it but um, we maintain the records and like you say the narrative and the the discussions and dialogue such that it translates to the next generation coming up and you know maybe Maybe it's the case that opportunities become so limited in that space that it, it will get it will be easier to get people to convert. I'm I'm convinced that a lot of the reason it's so difficult right now is because of the way that they weaponized um debt and people people are just crushed by it. And so there's the very tangible fear of um losing your ability to keep a roof over your head and you know that's a that's a big ask of most people a lot of people to say All right, are you are you going to put that on the line for um well what's an ideological battle i guess um, uh, that's precisely right and i would remind you 
that and you know this but i would remind everyone in those when we're when we're beginning to get wrapped up in those kind of scenarios or there's shadows on the wall that look like that's going to happen that it is so much more preferred for anyone that's trying to creep in with these draconian policies and this new era the great reset that they're trying to instate it's much 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 more preferred that we just cave in that they win without firing a shot they would much prefer that they don't want to upset the apple cart now they don't want to stop culling the population and rolling out ways to get us down to 500 million but you know regardless um, they don't have a fight in them it's why they work through these third parties and these subversive tactics they are not tough they are not base they are soy boys so you know there that's that's it there's not an all-powerful demon we've seen these these images in our media and we are so wired into that model of thinking of good and evil or force counterforce and that the other side is this quite diabolical and amazing and resourceful um, villain and they're just quite selfish and that's why i say psycho you know psychopathies because i that's how i categorize their worldview and like if you if you lack any kind of compassion for your other living entities whatever the nuances are there's lots of gray area but just saying they don't deserve to be to exist because i don't prefer them you know what this is the body alerting you and i are freaking antibodies kevin and we are going to find those cells and through the tactics that keep our kingdoms intact that do not require us to abandon our reason or our better judgment we're going to use good you know as 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 advanced talking monkey skills as we can to permeate this awareness broadly to continue to state it in terms that are simpler and clearer and tie back to externally verifiable information the classic model of science we have to keep translating and simplifying and simplifying until i did that work people were not getting the hiv stuff because i would rattle off vocabulary and bits and pieces and locations and scientists and it was too abstract and it was too overwhelming but then when i put it all together and said all right that's too you know and i listened to people i took the notes i took the criticism um that's when the story you know finally uh was in a in a, a, a in a shape that people could digest it and we have to keep doing it with this story and the unfortunate challenge for us is it's unrolling right now it's not all in the past oh, we're yeah, learning yeah. about it right now yeah so. that, that that's the, that's the thing right now is that um it's like i say they've gone all in um i, I there's no way for them to come back from this that the directions that they've taken because i think they've just revealed too much too many of their cards anyway and so um well, I guess it's a case of sort of hanging hanging on to the sides or whatever, whatever you can grab hold of. And I, I always say, we've got to make sure that we get through to the other side of all the changes that they're instantiating. And, you know, to add, add as a caveat to that, um, you know, the, the world always has changed, right? And new systems have always been put into place so there's nothing new that we're dealing with 
right now. I guess I guess the only difference is, is the coordinated fashion in which it's being done, right? You know, whereas you know, you, you could look at the industrial revolution, and you know, that you could argue that that was more sort of organic, as you know, it was introducing the necessary technologies and the markets doing their thing whereas and so that was more sort of bottom up whereas now we're seeing a very top down dictatorial approach to it and um i would I which would is make... lovely everyone knows where to target now i mean look at all the laser pointers on the target there's that's fantastic it's it's not as subversive hand in glove it's like, we think uh, we are superior and we are going to redesign the whole world in our image. And guess what? We've, we, that's, you know, we, we've heard that, that song a couple times in history. Mm. And we're, we're going to, you know, we know where the, where the squeak is. We know where to put the grease. Mm. Well, I, I'm very surprised that Bill Gates went and did another public tabletop exercise. Now, he popped, it was a pop-up in Chile. I had no idea it was going to until it was already, you know, past past the event. Oh, the, but, con the contagion one? What's it? Catastrophic yes. contagion? Yes, the, yes. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering how much they've played that one out. And so this this is why I, I sort of come back to the um, discussion point earlier, that, that they've maybe already achieved maximal results in that space right they're, they've they've gamed it out and now what we're going to deal with is the consequences of um this degrading at the well at the individual and public level of uh collective immunity such that um it it shuttles people in to the medical side and the medical side is the way that they enact their their tyranny um so yeah just <laughs> we just flogging a dead horse here just uh just by keeping on uh focusing on it and you know if there was more more concrete uh steps to take i don't know I mean, uh, well, you, you don't know when you're going to reach someone's mind or when your words or your evidence is going to find um, a party you didn't even know existed and what kind of an influence that'll make. So that's where I would return and say uh, as another another tenant of keeping up hope is you have to accept that you're going to live with an uncomfortable uncertainty. We all want control, right? We. We don't want mud in our house, so we have a little hedgehog with the scrapers on it, and we scrape our shoes off. We control the dirt. We don't, you know, we don't want a certain thing, so we do. It's another stimulus response. We want control over this situation. We want it to, to conform and comport to a model that we can get our arms around, that we can verify, and we can trace it from end to end. That's our nature, and we can't have that yet. And it doesn't mean that the bits and pieces that we're finding along the way aren't um, uh, you know, smoking guns are very important or critical pieces of the overall arc. Um, but the cool part is, is that so many eyes in so many countries um, are looking at different threads. You know, you think of it like uh, a root system underneath a tree, all those little threads, those little filaments reaching out uh, to different institutions, individual scientists, contracts, patents, 
uh, conventions, papers, you know, there's so much evidence and so many people looking for it that the jigsaw puzzle is big. You know, it, it's going to it's going to take a lot of pieces, but they're all there because they all had to brag about it. They all had to get positioned for it. It would appear from all of the patent evidence. It's like, sorry, but you, this is this is uh, we can take Occam's razor and cut your throat with it because uh, this is a clear case of preemptive, you know, uh, predictive programming and 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 truly a, a, a major global operation. <laughs> now, I don't have all the answers of who pulled every lever, but the major pieces are there and we have to keep finding those pieces in the dirt, carefully dusting them off and putting them in the puzzle. And that's that's where we don't that's where the impetus of the ego and our our uh, a couple of compulsions that I see happening, uh, like when when Jonathan uh, I began this this path that he's in now, I, you know, I have never had a conversation with him, so I don't want to speak out of turn about him. But I saw some of the recent uh, broadcasts that he did. And I'm still not clear, uh, truly, as to how it differentiates from the original narrative, uh, you know. But regardless, when someone like that is influenced, um, and we uh, we see uh, fighting back and forth, uh, it seems like there's a schism. It's like the Beatles are breaking up. I heard I heard conversation about that. Um, it's it's very difficult because we feel like we need a hero or we need a central uh, a linchpin. You know, we're very hierarchical. We all say that we're outliers and we're scofflaws and we're critical thinkers, but we all still love to snap to snap into a grid. That's that's another part of our nature. We 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 like it. It's comfortable. It's known. So that's where when we say the multipolar world, the new multipolar, you know, power will be distributed. We have to be comfortable with that uncertainty as well. And that you or Jonathan or Charles or, you know, and Andrew Huff or anybody doesn't get up there and have the torch and the banner and the sacred scrolls with all the answers in it. No, get that right out of your head. You're going to have to make your own piece about this and you're going to have to chew through these details as much as you can stand. And certain big pieces will calve off like when document drops happen. Um, but you know, that's, that's my encouragement is, is just be, be ready for an uncomfortable period and don't be so focused on having the answer. It's okay to take time. It's an organic process, mm. but it, to your point about the creeping tyranny, um, stay involved and do what you can at the local level. What else can you affect? What, what else can you do, but your, your community, your county, your church, your city government, your state government, whatever, um, you can't, most of us are not involved in anything at the national level, but stay engaged and stay plugged in because I think this is really an effective signaling system to one another. You know, we lit the fire on the top of the mountain and then the other kingdom sees it down down the range. Um, I think that what we see in, you know, just mass communication and the social media platforms afforded us that. But in this space, in the critical ongoing analysis, um, taking a new piece of evidence, really chewing it apart, not being nice to it. And just, you know, we've we've had some moments where we say, aha, and then we turn and we we look at it critically and we we check it. Um, I think this is a really critical, critical function that I don't know if it's existed before in history um, in the face of the challenges that we've got. So, you know, well, I, pat I, yourself I would, on the back. I would say it's, you know, you can look at the Samizdat 
of literature and you know that's always been around and or, or various forms of we just have this luxury of it being sort of um well real time and yeah silly sound effects true and, um true um what have you uh yeah it's I'm trying to think of a a profound concluding remark to this and um i guess i guess it just comes down to, again to uh recognizing the nature of the warfare that we're in and um you know as you said uh we've all got to find a way way through it and you know we have to make sure that our tribe clan um progresses that because that that's what they do that's what those on the other side do <laughs> they're uh they're in your face about it with respect to um their nepotism and um bending of the rules they're, they're carnegie and rockefeller grants yes mm. those bastards yeah i mean th look it's it's all the same people i mean I, I, I can't remember who put it in the chat but you know farah is now transitioning to the World Health Organization. It's you know they're just shuffling seats, etc. So so it's difficult for people to um, keep a track uh, on these people. Um, but I don't think that their goals are going to change. And you know you can. There were people going back to the seventies looking at um, Kissinger Club of Rome, and you know giving warnings back then and oh good old ted ted kaczynski he had it nailed right and <laughs> those were, these were people that sort of screaming out to us in this current time but now now the rubber is really hitting the road and it's really it, it's really impacting people on a day-to-day -day level um i wish i had uh more more sage advice beyond uh just survive get through well that's that's why you invited a space cat to talk with you on a tuesday so, so that <laughs> i can i can soothe you with my los angeles voice and tell you that your jacket is drying your jacket is dry and uh and we we have a little levity because yeah we we hit some black pills today but um i mean i so you here and me kind of uh, uh a box full of puppies you know they always want to jump up and lick your face and that kind of enthusiasm returned to me after a period that was very difficult and I don't want to drag people through what AIDS did to us I don't need them to relive it there have been some beautiful poignant uh, you know pieces of media writing film all of that about what it meant these little cameos and um, I'm not that kind of you know I, I, I can't produce that kind of material and that's not the message I, I just if anything I want to um, share and and relate that um, you know just boundless hope and tenacity and it isn't negative. I mean, yes, we're in a we're in a life and death struggle. We have to be deadly serious about it. But it doesn't mean that we surrender everything that we are. That life becomes this gray. Remember the end of the Yellow Submarine when they were dropping the green apples, at people. Um, it, 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 we 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 have to keep one hand and one foot firmly planted on those things that we talked about. Those those connections, those behaviors, those rituals in our lives gardening 
doing something nice for your neighbor, reading something that isn't heavy science and and intrigue and geopolitics and all of that. Read something that is enriching, something that the little child in you enjoys and and relates to. Um, do something. Do something with kids. Help kids with a project. Build a treehouse. You know. Um, uh, it, it's there's there's so much that calls us back to why are we in this fight and that's where i that's that's where i'll leave it is just say you know remain hopeful and be tenacious and and we'll you know we'll continue the fight mm. yeah good good place to uh end it so there you go folks uh i don't think we covered the papers that much but um it points uh, i just wanted to raise them just to say yeah these are potential mechanisms and stuff to be uh on the lookout for in the in the coming uh weeks to months because i do i do think the signals are there and yeah listen to saint nick um be hopeful i guess so all right i'll, I'll did, you, let... did, did you get a notification from rumble about why you got cut off no i th i think it's just a network um issue it was a tech thing yeah okay. yeah it sort of it did it a couple of times i restarted the stream and um, uh, so it might be a bit uh, choppy in the replay, but um, it's one of those things. Um, all right, I'll, I'll let you go, and then I'll uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up here. So uh, thank you. Hey, well, thanks. You got it. You got it. Good to speak with you again. Um, we'll talk again soon. I want to talk with. Uh, there's a couple folks, and I've got a couple uh, dates coming up at the end of December um on different shows so i'll share those in the bunker nice. but uh, have have a good one and we'll talk again soon you too sir have a good evening or day wherever you are day right off to work yes all right take care bro okay cheers bye, bye all right folks uh that was saint nick and uh yeah i wish uh we could have done a little more on these papers but um yeah the take-home being uh what gp120 uh, can be neurotoxic even at very very low doses um, so think about that uh, from both aspects not just uh, not just gene transfection uh, the uh, the infection as well um, keep asking yourself why they put it in there for god's sake all right so just remind everyone um, oh, i better just check see if anyone did send a donate uh, come on do it oh yes uh, so I want to say I better just say thank you to uh, someone in Landon Town nice um, and let's see this one is uh, I'm not sure it says United States and <laughs> Montana maybe Thank you, thank you. And I think there was one more. Uh, and, uh, maybe the same again. Uh, maybe you got double build. <laughs> if, if you did, uh, let me know. I'll, I'll try and get it back to you. Um, all right. Uh, that's me out of here. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, later on today, I'm going to do a stream. I cancelled it last week uh, with the powerful John Brisson uh, in a few hours, about uh, six, seven hours from now. And um, yeah, we'll, uh, I'll see you then. So take care, guys. God bless. And uh, see you in the next one. Bro, you don't know how angry I am.
You do, I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that law line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these papers. I will fucking kill each fucking pepper. I swear. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they actually say. Fuck these papers. No fucking vaccine or ever. Hold on, bye. I like this guy. Send 10.45,000. Turn dead. 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 Turn dead